Well, good morning. You know, I love stories where uh, the tide turns. You know, when one person or one side is, is facing certain defeat and then, and then there's a shift in momentum and, and there's a reversal of fortunes. Like, for example, uh, Hollywood likes these stories, like the Rocky movies. I'm not sure how many Rocky movies there are. What, six, seven? I don't know how many there are. And they all kind of are predictable. But, but do you know the story? Rocky's laying on the canvas uh, he's facing a, uh, this massive opponent. He's the underdog. He's been pummeled. He's laying on the canvas. The, the ref's standing over him, counting down. And, and, and all of a sudden, he begins to move, and the music begins to build, and you know where it's headed. You know, We, we, we love those stories. Even when we know how it's going to end, we, we enjoy those stories. Um, you know, or in the real world, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, when KU was playing in the championship, they're down by 15 and a half. You think it's kind of grim. Momentum builds, and the story turns. And just so you know that uh, I'm not biased with my KU fandom, K-State, a great example. In the late 80s, Bill Snyder comes. <laughs> Bill Snyder comes, right? You know, he takes this program and he builds them into a perennial bowl team, a top 10 team, conference champions. We, we love stories like that, you know, where, where there's a reversal of fortune, where, where somebody who seems to be uh, down and out makes a turn and, and they end up on, on top. We like those sort of stories because they, they connect to us. They, they give us hope. Uh, they, they inspire us because we like to think that when our back is against the wall, when we're in a tough spot or, or somebody that we know and love is in a tough spot, we like to think that, that there's hope. That, you know, like to quote the Dumb and Dumber movie, so you're telling me there's a chance. We like to think there's a chance. There's a chance that things will turn around, that there'll be a reversal. Well, today we come to passage of Scripture where things look very, very grim indeed. It's very dark. There, there doesn't seem to be any hope, and yet there's this amazing and unexpected reversal that happens. Let's pick it up. And this, this reversal has the possibility and the power to do the same thing in our lives. So let's pick it up in Mark chapter 15, beginning at verse 42. And we'll work our way through parts of chapter 16 as well. When the, uh, it was preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath, so that'd be Friday. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. And so Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb, and Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Joseph saw where he was laid. So one of the things that, that all of us, at one time or another, would want desperately to see reversed is death, isn't it? Because it, death, it feels like the end. When someone we know or love, or when we face our own mortality, it feels like the end. It, it, it cuts off you know, communication. It, 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 it gets rid of the opportunity to spend time with somebody, whether it's sudden or unexpected, whether it's premature or a person's in their hundreds. You know, we can't reverse it. We, we can't bring that person back to life. I was reading on, on Twitter uh, the other day, on Thursday, uh, a, a tweet by this seminary professor named Samuel Perry. He wrote, When my dad died in 2020, I stayed with his body in the hospital for an hour. 
I held his hand. I touched his face as his body grew cold. He looked and felt so dead, I couldn't stop wondering. Resurrection of this. For real? Yeah, I know what that's like. Less than two months ago, we buried my brother Greg, 60 years old. Would have been 61 a couple of weeks ago. I had to say goodbye to him. Been battling cancer for five and a half years. We thought he had more time. Thought he was, had a fighting chance that he was going to beat this. And then suddenly he had an infection. He went septic. And we gathered around on a Thursday night to watch him leave this earth. To watch him breathe his last breath. To watch his body grow cold. And I wish I could go back. I wish I could reverse that day. I, I wish that we were having Easter lunch later today together. But that's not going to happen. I can't reverse it. Death comes to us all. And death came to Jesus on Good Friday. And it came through this this horrible, excruciating form of execution called crucifixion. You know, I was listening to a a podcast of a couple of historians when I was walking the other day. Uh, One's one's secular, non-believer, one's a Christian. And and, uh, they were talking about crucifixion, you know, about the details of it, what's the history of it. Uh, what, what did it involve? Um, uh, what's the historical uh, support for the fact that Jesus was crucified? And one of the things that struck me was they talked about how crucifixion was reserved for the worst people. You know, criminals, r- rebels, revolutionaries, slaves, people that they wanted to humiliate, people that they wanted to prolong the suffering publicly. That's, that's who was crucified. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being there, watching somebody you know and love being being crucified? How that must have felt, what that must have been like. Mark tells us a little bit about this. Uh, just a couple of verses before where we started in verse forty of chapter fifteen, he writes: Some women were watching from a distance. Among them was Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, and of Joseph and Salome. In in Galilee, these women had followed Jesus. And cared for his needs. And many other women had come up to him in Jerusalem. And they were also there. Now, the mention of these women, incidentally, just kind of a little aside, a little caveat, is one of the reasons that um, a lot of biblical scholars and historians um, give, give the gospel accounts of Jesus' crucifixion and, and resurrection some, a lot of credence. Because, because in Jesus' day, and a few decades later when the gospels were written down and recorded, um, Women were not reviewed as reliable witnesses. They couldn't testify in court. They, 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 wouldn't, they wouldn't include, if somebody wanted to make up a, a story and they wanted to bring in somebody to support that story, they wouldn't bring in a woman. They wouldn't make them the primary eyewitnesses. So anyhow, back to our text. Jesus has died is confirmed. They've watched him die. The life is drained from his body. It's cold. He's dead and buried. He's put in his tomb with this large stone over the entrance. And there's nothing that these women can do to reverse it. Let's pick it up in chapter 16. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, the three women that were just referenced, bought spices so they might go ahead to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? So we have to understand what's going on here. These, these three women who stuck with Jesus, when the other disciples loved him, ran away, they stuck with Jesus, they saw where he was laid, they come back 
on, on Sunday morning. And they come back to anoint his body because back then bodies wouldn't have been involved. They would have begun to smell. So they go back to the tomb as a way to kind of anoint Jesus to show their, their love for him, uh, to, to kind of grieve and remember and, and feel connected to him. I mean, it's like when we go to a grave to, to put flowers. You know, I've lived here for over 25 years. Uh, we don't live too far from Jefferson Hill. I'll walk through that sometimes and I see the gravestones of people that I've known, people I've cared about. People, I've, I've been a part of the service and, and I see flowers, I see balloons, I see ribbons, I see different things. And, and, and I pause and, and I remember and I, I reflect. And, and that's what Mary, Magdalene, Mary and Salome, that's what they're doing. And they realize they've got a problem. There's this massive stone covering the entrance to the tomb and they have no way of moving it. It's too big. Something immovable is between them and what they desperately want to do, they need to do. Who will roll the stone away? You ever feel that way in your life? There's something you, you desperately want to do, you need to do, you're, you feel called to do, you, 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 you must do that, and there's something in the way, figuratively or, or literally, that, that keeps you from being able to do it. And you realize that all you can do is hope and pray that, that somehow it will be moved that something or someone will move it out of your way. You know, growing up on a farm, I had this experience. You know, we, we'd go in the pasture and you want to clear some things, clear a big rock or remove a stump because you wanted to plow through the area. And uh, you could hack away at it with an axe. You could try to, you know, dig underneath it with a spade or shovel, but it was all to no avail. You had to bring in something powerful like a tractor or a, a caterpillar with a blade or, or even more fun, you bring in some dynamite. Yeah, that's kind of fun to do. And you tap into a power that's greater than yours. A power that can reverse and remove that, that obstacle, that, that stone, that, that stump that was in the way. Who will roll away the stone? Women had no way of moving that stone. But what they don't know yet is it's Easter. It's, it's Easter. And that means there's incredible power that's available and accessible to us. Listen to how Paul puts it in Ephesians chapter 1. How incredibly great is his power to help those who believe him. The same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. The same, the same mighty power that rolled that stone away. The same mighty power that, that, that brought Jesus back to life is available to each one of us. And so that through the resurrection, because of Easter, we have power to see those stones, those obstacles rolled away and moved away. Which means that there's nothing beyond God's power and control. There's nothing that he can't remove from our lives. Uh, resurrection. Through the resurrection, Jesus provides power, whether it's addiction or marriage problems or financial issues or mental health issues or physical problems or problems with your kids or your parents or, or financial issues or loneliness or, or cancer or terminal illness or... With the death of a loved one, there is power for all who believe to roll the stone away. It's the great reversal. Verse 4. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Now, I can't imagine what these ladies must have felt 
They go to anoint a corpse. They find empty grave clothes. They go to, to grieve and to mourn. And remember, the source of their grief is gone. But what they don't know is that it's Easter. And on Easter, death is, is reversed. It's reversed. Death is defeated. Death's power is broken. What's dead is supposed to stay dead. But on Easter, death is reversed. Remember Samuel Perry, the seminary professor I began with, the, who stayed with his dad's body for an hour after, after he died? And he wondered about the possibility, really, that this, can, this body can be resurrected? He went on to write that because of Easter, he had hope, he had confidence, he had faith that his dad could and would one day be resurrected. And I have the same confidence, I have the same hope that I'll see my brother Greg again. Because that's what Easter does. It reverses death. And it's not just a, a, a one-off, a one-time-only deal. It, it reverses death. It, it's for all of us. It's for our loved ones. It's for all who believe in Jesus Christ. And that should give us tremendous hope. Tremendous hope. Listen to how, what Paul says about this. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like those who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep with him. That gives us hope. That gives me that gives me hope. I cling to that. Because death has been reversed. Verse 7. But go. Tell his disciples and Peter. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So the women are told by this, this messenger, this angel, um, to go to Galilee where it all began where they first met Jesus because they're going to meet him again. He's going to show up. He's going to appear to them. Now, why would the angel have singled out Peter? He says, go tell the disciples and Peter. Why would the angel single out Peter? Well, the answer points to an effect, another effect of the resurrection. And the answer involves Peter specifically as a, as a prime example. Remember, remember this about Peter? He was very outgoing. He's outspoken. He kind of blurted things out. He's impulsive. He was passionate. He was a man of action, sometimes with act first, think later. He passionately loved Jesus and supported Jesus. And you remember, you remember Jesus, um, Jesus told the disciples that you're all going to fall away from me and deny me. Peter says, not me. The other guys, yes. That might happen, but not me. I will never, ever, ever deny you. And, and except when he did. You know, he, he did. He, he denies Jesus three times after Jesus' arrest. He emphasizes the third one with cussing to really drive home the point, I don't know this guy. And the rooster crows. He remembers what Jesus said and he's just overwhelmed with, with guilt, overwhelmed with shame. And he, he can't forgive himself. He, 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 he doesn't think God can forgive him. When Jesus needed him, he failed. And he's just overridden just with shame and guilt. Have you ever felt that way? I know I have. There, there have been times when, I've, when I feel like I've failed God and I've crossed a bridge and I can't go back and I let him down. It'll never be like it was before. Peter felt that way. 
But on Easter, Peter singled out. Not to pile on more condemnation, not to pile on judgment. He singled out because Jesus wants Peter to know that it's all forgiven, that he's still loved, that he's got a clean slate. Peter feels guilt and shame and he doesn't know it yet, but but it's Easter. And through Easter, through the resurrection, new beginnings are offered. A clean slate is offered. New possibilities are offered. New life is offered. Because that's what Easter does. That's what Jesus does. He reverses death. He provides power to roll away the stones in our lives to make a way through seemingly unsurmountable obstacles. And he makes new beginnings possible. New beginnings. Time after time after time. That's what Easter does. So when you find your face with a, with a stone, an obstacle in your life, a situation, you think there's no way through it, and you begin to ask, how will it get moved? How will I get through it? Remember, remember it's Easter. And when you wonder, why is this happening? Where is God in this? Remember, Jesus is risen. He's with us. He's with you. It's Easter. And when you cry out, when will this end? When will the pain and grief go away? When will it subside? And you ask, how can I change my life? How can I reverse the direction of my life? Remember, it's Easter. It's Easter. Death has been reversed. The stone is rolled away. And a new life and a new beginning is possible to all, to all who believe. Because it's Easter. I want to direct your attention to the screen. We're going to watch a video of a, of a man who's a part of our congregation whose life was changed, the trajectory of his life was changed because of his faith and belief in the risen Jesus Christ. Hi, I'm Dan Pip, and this is my story. I grew up in a Christian home where we attended church each Sunday, as well as Sunday school as a kid. But when, once we returned home, we lived our lives the rest of the week and did not give church much thought. During middle school, I went to confirmation classes where I learned the truth of Jesus dying on the cross for my sins and rising again to defeat sin and death. And I recognized that the only way to get to heaven was to repent of my sins and ask him into my life, which I did. And afterwards, I had no doubt that I would go to heaven. Unfortunately, I did not attend a youth or life group and drifted away after that. In high school, I was struggling to fit in and where I would find my identity. I was in many sports, but it was ended up being the party crowd that I ended up connecting with most outside of school. This led to drinking and drug use and continued in college, nearly getting me kicked out of school. I was unable to hear God's wake-up call in my life, even with many nights not remembering how I got home. It all culminated after school when I was in Montana for a family wedding. I was staying in an upstairs loft, and one night I missed the stairs and flipped over the banister, hitting the iron handrail and slamming on the floor below. After a trip to the hospital, it was confirmed that I miraculously only received minor injuries. On my way back home to Minnesota, I had stopped 
for a few nights camping in Yellowstone where my mind was just flooded with memories of the previous eight years that have, let, that have left me completely empty. I could now vividly see God's protective hand upon my life and I had no other answer to how I could still be alive. I knew that God was my only hope to get off this runaway train that I was on. Finally, I hit my knees and rededicated my life to Christ, pleading for him to take control. A verse that I later learned is Jeremiah 29:11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. I started going to church again and met new friends who encouraged me in my reclaimed Christian faith, and they invited me to join them in Bible City Fellowship. I was now beginning to grow in my faith as I was learning and trusting in God. Jesus spoke to my heart through his perfect, unfailing word, freeing me of the ways of my past and revealing what a personal relationship with Jesus actually looks like. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, and the new is here. My hope and prayer is that you will recognize the truth of God's word in your life today. Paraphrasing John 3.16, God loves us so much that he sacrificed his only son, Jesus, the perfect spotless lamb, who died in the place where we belong so that when we repent of our sins and give control of our lives to him, we will be assured that we will spend eternity with him in glory. Of course, I still have struggles like everyone else, but I have found true freedom in Christ. And the more time I spend in God's word, and in prayer, giving my challenges to God. He fills me with his peace and joy. If you have any questions about, about the resurrection of Christ and reasons why we can believe or, or what a difference it can make in your life or what it means to follow Jesus Christ and put your trust in him, I encourage you, uh, please, please don't leave without talking to, to me or one of our staff or or join our prayer team at the end of the hallway after the service. Uh, talk to somebody that you know uh, as a believer. We, we would love to be able to share with you about that this morning.